Now the All Blacks are wrapped around again and Bobby McKenzie accelerating into space, clears it away, Barrett, Bowden Barrett's in. Short pass away to Kane, they were waiting for him, but they'll work it away to the right again. McKenzie sends away, Narawa, he's in, first try. Oh, what a moment, young man, congratulations. Angus Gardner blows the final whistle in Mendoza. And this is a very good start to World Cup year for the All Blacks. They beat the Pumas in Mendoza by 41 points to 12. Yes, indeed they did. It uh, capped off an international rugby uh, weekend uh, that signalled that the season is well and truly here. Uh, not only that, then the All Blacks 15, no one 38 uh, uh, for, sorry, one to 38 to uh, whatever it was against the Japan 15. I've just forgotten what the score was there. Someone will enlighten me on that. Uh, the Black Ferns were tested by Canada, but ultimately won 52-21, uh, while the New Zealand under-20s lost to uh, Australia, which might signal something in itself. And Australia, of course, getting hammered, absolutely hammered by uh, the Springboks spring at Loftus. Joining us right now is uh, Rugby News Editor Campbell Burns, and... Uh, Campbell, uh, of course, is uh, with the Rugby News and for all the latest rugby updates, analytics, interviews and more, get the Rugby News magazine today. Campbell, good morning. Uh, plenty of positive stuff for you to write about from here on, it seems. Very good morning to you, Smithy. Uh, yes, mate, indeed. Uh, it was a fairly good weekend, uh, although it didn't finish on a great note with the under-20s going down to Australia, meaning they'll have to finish... Uh, well, they're playing for sevens now, but uh, I believe... They, I haven't seen that game, but I believe there was a red card early on, which uh, may have affected the outcome there. But uh, generally speaking, it was, a, it was a good weekend for New Zealand rugby. Might get back to that in a second, but um, I, I really, I guess we do have to focus in on the All Blacks. And uh, I'll, I'll say a good start overall, but a good start in the first 20 to 30 minutes, which has not always been the trademark early in the season, but they did what they had to do uh, to stop the Springboks in their tracks very early. Yes, indeed, they, they did. I mean, the game was probably won in those first 12 minutes when they were up 17-0 and then 31-0 at half time. So you'd have to say a very good start to the season, uh, given there were four or five uh, of their first-choice players out. And uh, often we don't quite know how the All Blacks will function in the first game of the season, although um, probably can't read too much into it, given last year we, we started so well against Ireland at Eden Park and uh, put 42-19 on them, but then um, things fell away. But... Certainly promising, um, you know, betting in a, a new first five, Damien McKenzie there, and a very impressive um, pack effort, really, uh, which laid the platform for that one. So, uh, you know, I mean, seven tries to two uh, on, the, on the Pumas in the Pumas' backyard. Uh, hard to complain, really. Yeah, it is hard to complain. I, I think I called them the Springboks, but yeah, so absolutely the, uh, the Pumas. All uh, right, let's look at uh, individually um, what you made of uh, some of those performances. Uh, actually, I, I doubted why they'd start with uh, Dane Coles, but in the end, he justified every part of that number two jersey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He he played well. In fact, I mean, the Coles had played pretty well for the Hurricanes um, for most of the season, um, apart from that injury break he had uh, around the middle. So he he certainly advanced his claims to sew up that third hooker spot. Um, so that you know that, that was a pretty solid solid outing from uh, from from Coles. I mean, he scored that try early, um, and he's just the sort of man you want against the. Um, against the Pumas, uh, he liked to be fairly combative, so Coles will be happy uh, with what he's done, and that will put more pressure on Asafo Almoor to try and try and get into that World Cup squad. 
Right, uh, Shannon Frizzell in six. Um, has he duff, uh, done enough to oc- occupy that, or are we going to have musical chairs with this loose forward trio? Well, I mean, that was that was one of the key positions we went to shore about, but I thought he played very well. Um, he made uh, 10, or, 10 or 11 tackles, carried hard, won his line-out ball. I think that was a really good statement performance by him. Uh, he played a fair bit for the Highlanders this year, but probably didn't stand out on a struggling side. But I think he's uh, he's always potentially been the man who could take that number six jersey. So I would think he would have played his way in, certainly to start this weekend. Um, whether it's a long-term uh, thing there, we're not sure, but um, particularly how they use Scott Barrett when both the other locks are, are, are fully fit. But uh, Frizzell would be very happy with what he did. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, I had a question mark over the selection of uh, Josh Lord um, first up, but I thought that combo worked quite nicely with Scott Barrett when you consider who's waiting in the wings. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, uh, I guess they had to play Lord. He'd only had a couple of games for, for the Chiefs this year, and he spent much of the time injured, so he was probably one of the lucky ones in the squad selection, but potentially he's always had that... Uh, I mean, he first made the All Blacks two years ago, so... He's the sort of guy who could well start for the All Blacks next year uh, on a consistent basis. But, I, I mean, I thought he combined well with Scott Barrett and um, got around the track. I think he had close to 50 minutes. Um, so he'll be very happy with his with his effort there. I mean, he, he won't be involved, I'm sure, this weekend against the box. But uh, Josh Lord could well have taken a strong step forward to, to be in that World Cup squad. From a media point of view, uh, I thought Sam Kane had a pretty good 80 minutes, but uh, he's getting the headlines for a 20-second thing straight after when the team were together at the conclusion of the match. Uh, what's your take on, on, on that um, and the fact that he's issued an apology for tripping up a, a pitch invader? Well, yeah, yeah, it has been a bit of a media frenzy around that. I mean, I have to say, uh, if you're a pitch invader, you don't have any rights, surely. <laughs> Um, if you get on the pitch, and there sounds like there were more than just one of them there. Um, so, I mean, it was a bit of a silly thing to do, really, from the all-back skipper, but it was a bit of a storm in a teacup, really. Uh, you know, we, we remember Richie McCaw tackling Peter Van Sale in 2002 in Durban. Uh, that was a bit different when he was trying to assault the referee, the, the pitch invader. But uh, on this occasion, I mean, it, was, it wasn't the brightest uh, effort there from, from Kane, but he's apologised, and I think we just move on from it. Right, uh, South Africa apparently have uh, got uh, 13 of their uh, very best here already in New Zealand, uh, enjoying Auckland and the surrounds. Um, so what have you made of that tactic and what are you expecting now uh, from this test match at Go Media Mount Smart Stadium? Yeah, well it's funny because normally um, if you're going to rest players you would do it for uh, for away games, so you'd load up for your home test match, but the Springboks have done the opposite and they've still come out with a fine victory over Australia, I've used to see that, uh, that that match in its entirety, but it sounds like it was a very good performance um, from sort of a B combination almost. Um, obviously, Eddie Jones didn't like it referred to as that after the um, after uh, after shipping 40 points. But um, look, I think the uh, the Springboks have, um, have have decided to target this match in particular, and they want a psychological advantage heading into not only the game in Twickenham next month, but also a possible World Cup quarterfinal. So they'll be going all out to win a match in a city they haven't beaten the All Blacks in since 1937. Um, and I think it, it could be cold and wet, but that's probably not going to trouble them given they play a lot of their rugby in the URC now uh, up in the north. So Springboks are going all out, um, and they'll be feeling close to a close to a, a full-strength combination, uh, minus... The captain who's injured, Sia Colisi, but um, yeah, the All Blacks are going to have to match that and and uh, and do that with most of their players coming back from Argentina.
Yeah, in essence, it is the rugby championship final, but probably was going to be uh, all black Springboks anyway, looking at the strength of the other two sides. Uh, okay, so Ian Foster, um, does he does he reveal his best side, do you think, at the same time? Close to it, I think, yeah, I think you have to. Um, I mean, if Sam Whitelock's fit, you've got to play him. Uh, I'm still not sure why he went to Argentina, if he definitely wasn't going to be involved there. He could have stayed back and been physically in better shape uh, without that travel. Uh, now, it's a question of, like, I think they will return Richie Mawonga to the number 10 position, despite the fact that McKenzie played well. Um, you'll have Samasoni Taukiaho at hooker. Uh, you'll have Brody Retallick. Um, so there's four four changes at least. We don't know what's happening with Will Jordan. But I think um, if he, uh, I think Foster would be very tempted to play close to his best fully fit combination and I think he'll have to because uh, you know, as you say, this could be a rugby championship final and, and, there, and there will be uh, some bragging rights uh, given we may be meeting the Springboks uh, once or maybe twice a game this season uh, Campbell, uh, most sides are always as good as uh, the pressure that's put on them, uh, under them from uh, what is coming through below so uh, that is the All Blacks 15 um, that um, match against uh, Japan where they won 38-6 was a little bit under the radar as such but uh, what did you see in that that you liked? Well it was, it was funny because it was a scratchy old start and some of the passing was dusty from the uh, from the backs in particular but they started to come right and um, perform quite well with the, I mean, the final scoreline I'll be happy with. Um, I thought Brad Weber uh, played um, played pretty well. I thought Akira Iwani did his uh, chances no harm. He carried hard and made some breaks. Um, Stephen Perifetta, who's probably struggled, uh, going to struggle to get into the All Blacks unless his injuries, uh, did well at 10. Um, Fale Fakatava scored a nice solo try. Billy Harmon did well. So some of these guys played quite well, but um, I think it's, uh, bear in mind, they've got 36 in the Rugby Championship squad. It's going to be a stretch. Uh, well, there's going to have to be a lot of injuries for some of these players to actually get the call up. But we know there's a lot of depth at halfback and um, Weber and Fakatava, if they're the number four and five in the country, we're certainly uh, strong at, at number nine. It was interesting that in his selection, he never looked at uh, Cam Roygaard. Now, I just wonder whether he hasn't settled as well as uh, perhaps um, uh, Ian Foster and the crew wanted him to, or whether they're going to introduce him against the Springboks this weekend. Maybe they think that's a better fit for Roygaard. Do you think they'll, do you think they'll uh, at least put him on the bench this weekend? I think there's a chance, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's, got a, he's got a good kicking game, and that could well be uh, useful against the box. I still think Aaron Smith will start, but uh, no, there, there would have to be a good chance that Roygaard will uh, will get a run off the bench because if you don't play some of these guys now, um, you know, time is short before the World Cup, so you're going to have to introduce them in the pool games of the World Cup, which is possible. But, you know, for a start, there's no easy games leading into the World Cup. There's no... Um, there's no easy romp uh, to ease into it. They've got two more games against the Springboks, two against Australia. So, you know, I, I think he has to, not so much throw the dice, but, but we'll roll the dice. But, I mean, a Roy Guard on the bench, someone like a Tamaiti Williams on the bench, um, you know, you, you will find out a few things about them um, after 80 minutes against the box this weekend. I'll be interested to see if our scrum is, uh, is well can get any sort of dominance against the Springboks. I think parity is something we always uh, look for, uh, but that, that scrum performance uh, with Lomax, De Groot, and uh, Coles leading from the front, I thought was, which is good. I've I've seen against the uh, an Argentinian side, which is generally one of their strong areas. Yeah, that's right. And uh, funnily enough, twelve months ago, Lomax and De Groot weren't even in the All Black squad, but it shows how. Far they've advanced, and some of the good work that's coming through with um, 
Jason Ryan and, and Greg Feek uh, with regards to our scrummaging, given that Nepo Lalala, who's a strong scrummager, um, the best he could do was, was off the bench. Um, and, of course, offered Tonga Fasi there as well. But, no, that was a very good... Uh, that was a very good scrum performance uh, and, and set-piece performance in general uh, from the All Blacks. So, and I thought the group was, was outstanding on that loose-head side. Right, let's uh, look at uh, the Black Ferns. I, th- uh, I thought that was a, a pretty strong performance, although, uh, as was um, mentioned by one of our texters this morning, uh, they weren't too uh, good at re- repelling the, the rolling moor, which, of course, they're going to get plenty of it towards the end of the year with this new competition that's uh, opened up. But... By and large, uh, Alan Bunting and the pressure where anyone is coming in after Wayne Smith seems to have fitted in quite nicely with his methods. He has indeed. Yeah, they've put two two fifty point um, performances out there, and to beat the, the world number four side by fifty on their on their home track uh, was pretty pretty impressive. G- given bear in mind since Opeki, most of the players other than three training camps they've had uh, a handful of club games. So what they've been able to um, put out, particularly in the back line, some of the fluency there has been very impressive. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, we, uh, there's a lot of talk about Sylvia Brunt, 19-year-old, um, just um, on both sides of the ball, outstanding. Uh, but her combination with Amy Duplessis in the centre uh, is working nicely. Duplessis made a few mistakes but scored a couple of nice tries. Um, I mean, the, the Black Ferns were put under a bit of pressure at the breakdown, um, Canada's um, loose forwards in particular uh, got stuck into them there but they were able to weather that storm and they finished um, They finished strongly with impact from their bench so all in all a very um, very pleasing start to the year from the Black Ferns they should put probably 90 I would think on the USA this weekend and then mm. um, there'll be one more O'Reilly Cup game and then they'll be facing um, the big guns of England and France and yes we know what's coming there uh, that'll be a much sterner test so Defence from line-out ball, um, from line-out malls will certainly be one of the work-ons there uh, for them. But the rest of it, the combinations are coming along nicely and some um, some new players have slotted in well. So uh, very pleasing signs from the Blackburns. Campbell, I would imagine uh, within uh, your magazine, um, your publication, that uh, from time to time you look at the what's coming through and, and the years ahead. Um, and there's been a lot of speculation about the numbers in rugby at Colts level, at secondary school level, etc., um, and I just, I, I hope it's not the case, and I, this might just be a one-off, but it doesn't look like this particular class of under-20s is, uh, is as good as uh, we've had in the past, and I, I just hope that it's just a one-off rather than a sign of what's coming through. Well, it hasn't so much been a one-off because they've they've struggled a bit probably since 2012. They have won a couple of world titles since then, uh, one of them under Scott Robertson, but uh, they have uh, in recent years, uh, haven't actually performed that well and I think they came seventh last time which will be uh, the best they can manage uh, this weekend so um, it hasn't it ha- you know there has been a sign that I, I just think they haven't got the size in the tight five, uh, they've got some very good players outside and in the back line players who you'll see in the NPC um, eight players played Super Rugby this year so on the face of it there was some, some good talent there um, I haven't watched the game overnight but um, it, it does sound as though that red card could have played a, a factor there. Uh, they, they, in this particular tournament, they uh, didn't start well, almost lost to Wales, and then were badly beaten by France. But the French pack was massive, and I just don't think we, we don't seem to breed um, massive uh, tight five uh, props and locks um, until we're well into our twenties. Whereas um, France, Ireland, and South Africa, these sort of sides are uh, very much bigger than us. So. 
you know, I think that's one of the factors there. I think we've um, we've got some certainly some talent in the back line, um, but it just it just hasn't panned out in this particular tournament. So, I mean, that, that's a disappointment because I thought New Zealand rugby had prioritised this um, very much more so. But when when also, I mean, this is not an excuse. They they missed out to England on a points differential, um, so they needed to score about 24 more points, I think, to actually make the semis. Um, and they still may have come come unstuck in the semis, but. So it's not it's not all doom and gloom there, but I think in certain positions we do lack lack size and depth compared to some of these other nations. But it's a very important national team, and um, I think they need to look hard at that going forward as to you know how do you develop um, bigger and stronger props at a younger age. Mm, it's scary. I think it's a little bit scary when you you look at um, athletes supposedly of the same age, and I guess they were. They'll check passports and things, but completely and utterly outsized. That is a, a, a real problem at that level. Hey, uh, uh, Campbell, just finally, uh, tell us about your latest edition of the Rugby News and the features in it. Yeah, mate, well, we've got the uh, the July issue is out with uh, Dallas McLeod on the on the cover. Um, there's plenty in there. There's, um, we weigh in on the uh, All Blacks eligibility debate. Um, there's a piece on Campbell Johnston, the first uh, the first gay all-back, and his rugby journey. Um, Richie McCaw talks about how we won the uh, 2011 uh, World Cup, uh, our World Cup memories. And there's a feature on, on Maori rugby, and we ask, is it all just about the Maori all-backs, given they're not playing this year? So it's a bit out of sight, out of mind. So I sought out some comment and information from Dame Farah Palmer, um, who was forthcoming in that. So that forms the basis of the... Um, of the main feature in the latest rugby news, but that's out now for the next uh, three weeks. And our next one, uh, August, will be NPC special because that's uh, coming up very fast. Um, so there's uh, before the World Cup comes um, uh, comes into view in, in September, there's NPC, so we'll be all over that. Good on you, Campbell, and uh, thanks very much uh, for being available to us this morning and giving us a very busy uh, review of a very busy weekend. Cheers, man. Thank you, and uh, go well. Okay, mate. Cheers, Smithy. No problems.